Hello and welcome to episode 378 of the award-winning Ferg on the Freak podcast. I'm that bloke from Rope League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going all right, Andrew, but I need to make a correction. A correction? Yeah, yeah, have, yeah. Have a very un-mainstream media review. I know. I, I actually said something that was incorrect, and so I'm setting the record straight and saying I made a mistake. You know, I'm you not started off by saying the wrong information was given to me or anything like that. No, I made the mistake. You made the mistake. Well, it's very noble of you, but we can't have anyone here that's wrong, so you're sacked. Yeah, well, that's it. That's, <laughs> that's the end. Now it's Fergo and whoever wants to join. <laughs> it's just the Fergo podcast. How have fucking back to, I have to go back to my job at the train station. Um, <laughs> I, uh, hey, uh, hey, I, hey, hey, keep your hands full, that's for sure. <laughs> so I said that uh, Lambretta won the tipping competition last year. Lambretta was eighth place. Lambretta didn't win shit. It oh, was well, actually, it was Andrew Marjolet that I was won. Say, was, isn't Lambretta British? I think he is, yeah. Yeah, they don't win anything. No, 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 they don't, they don't. <laughs> um, so Andy, I'm very sorry. You are the champion for 2021 and I've thought of a really cool idea for his trophy. I'll tell you about it after the podcast. All right. I was going to say the one that you made for Lambretta, we just got to throw that in the dumpster then. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 It was all made as I actually put like solid gold in it as well. Just chuck yeah, it I out. Say, I, I, I know that you um you must have sold something like four point five million of your uh, Ponzi coins to pay for it. Yeah, you it's know, about fifty seven cents. Yeah, you just uh you know you just print a few more of those off the machine and away you go, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. No one will ever know. Anyway. So that's out the way. Well, now that you've got that off your chest, I want to get something off my chest. Okay, what is it? Something that's become a bit of a bugbear of mine. Yeah. It started out with Fox Sports, and now it's filtering across to other parts of the mainstream media. It's starting to really give me the shits. Alcoholism? Not yet. Okay. Um, I am sick of mainstream media types calling Ben Elias a West Tigers legend. He never fucking played for them. Well, he, wouldn't he retire in, like, 95? 94, 94, I think. 90, yeah, actually, you're right, 94. So he didn't even get close to being around when they were formed. No, not even close. Not even in mm. Kui. Mm. Yeah. Um, he was there long enough to get a spoon for Balmain. West Tigers have never won a spoon. Mm-hmm. Some legend. Um, so there you go. West Tigers have won a premiership. Ben Lice never did. It would be They're two like different saying, clubs. Yeah, it would be like saying Noel Kelly was a West Tigers legend. Exactly. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. Stop calling him a West Tigers legend. Call him former Balmain Tigers player, Ben Elias. That's you a know, strange we one, talk hey. about, If we want to talk about a West Tigers legend who is a hooker, there's only one, and it's Darren Centre. It's Darren Centre, that's it. There's no one else. <laughs> there's no one else, that's it. There's some other bloke called Farrow who may have played for Australia and Lebanon. I mean, you know, he didn't have teeth like Darren Centre. No, no, amazing teeth. Yeah. Speaking of the West. He's the only hooker called Hollywood. <laughs> was he called yeah. Hollywood? That was his nickname, Hollywood. Why? Probably because of his smile. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he's up to now. I don't know. That'd be interesting. I'll have to uh, put the feelers out see if I can find out where he is. 
Imagine if it turned out he was the face of Oral B for the last 15 years. <laughs> Maybe he was uh, Rob the dentist who couldn't show you his face on TV. Yeah. Was his name Rob? I think so. All right. Morning, Rob. Yeah, that was Rob. Rob was the dentist. Okay. okay. Um, now, the West Tigers had some interesting news in the last couple of days, and people didn't make fun of them at all for it. Uh, something new has happened at the new era, has it? Yeah. They named five different captains as their captain this year. Oh, is this the the uh, notorious return of the leadership group? Yeah, the leadership group. The leadership group's always good when you want to diffuse responsibility. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, okay. it's it's kind of it's kind of what you do when you're trying to uh, you know, make up for a loss of experience. Well, it's good because uh, the players that they named. James Tarmo, obviously. Uh, Adam Dewey. Pretty good choice, Adam Dewey. Future Luke leader. Brooks. Luke Brooks. We know Why? his leadership skills. Tyro Peachy, who's been there for five minutes. Yeah. And Ken, Ma- and Ken Mamalo, who's been there for about 15 minutes. A winger. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's a strange one, eh? Yeah. I'm, you probably only needed two of them. I just go yeah. with Tamo and Dewey. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, the current captain and the guy who's clearly a leader on the field, who should be their next captain. Luke First Brooks is really far from a captain. Well, um, you know, it makes him feel important. And this time last year, Tyrone Peachy and Ken Mamalo were lining up for different teams, so I don't know why he'd name them. There's nothing against them as players. It's just you kind of think that, it's somebody that's been at the club for any length of time. Yeah, I suppose that rules out probably Tamo and Dewey as well. But I guess, I guess. Yeah. But uh, what do you think of leadership groups over single captains? It's a look. It's it's a bit of a wanky thing. In the mm-hmm. end, there will only be one captain, and it will be Tamo again. Yeah, but. Um, it's a bit of a wanky thing to try and make some players feel a bit more important, like they've got some sort of say there. Um, and that's mainly directed at Luke Brooks. Mm-hmm. Um, they made him captain a few times last year. And I did say on the podcast last year that because the Tiger season was over at the time, mm. they needed to try and find out what it was that would motivate Luke Brooks. And so I suggested that for three or four games in a row, make him captain not because he's captain material, but see if it makes him play better. Yeah. That's all it was. Give him some responsibility, see what it does. And it didn't do anything. So why put him in the leadership group? He can't lead a team around field. And that, that's probably easier than being a captain. I mean, you've actually got to make decisions for everybody else. Um, he's just failed to create any sort of partnerships with teammates. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it's he's frustrating to watch because you watch, you look at the separate skills he has, and he's got all the skills required to be a halfback. But the one skill he's lacking is the ability to control a game and to create combinations with outside men and second rowers. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but he just doesn't. You see him when they get in the attacking zone, and he drifts across looking for a, an option runner. But no one knows what play's going on. So everyone's just standing around watching him, waiting for him to do something. He ends up having to die with the ball. You go, somebody fucking talk. He doesn't talk. 
How can you be a halfback who directs the fucking team around and be a mute at the same time? I guess I some of that, it. some of that's got to come down to, I mean, the fact that he's had a number of coaches in early in his career, especially. But you would think that he would have picked something up from Benji Marshall, you know. I mean, Benji Marshall would direct people around the park, think, so it's not like he didn't have an example. No, but I think the problem is because he also had Robbie Farrer as well, who was probably one of the best organisers the club's ever had. Mm-hmm. But the problem you've got is he sees those people come along and instead of sitting there watching what they do and learn from them, he goes, oh, one job I don't have to do. Kick back, put the feet up. And he didn't learn a single fucking thing from it. Yeah. He just let them do the heavy lifting. And the club's got to stop carrying for that. And I've I've been patient with him. I think we've we've heard that in this podcast. I've been willing to give him chance after chance because halfbacks are hard to come by, especially, you know, without him blowing the bloody budget either. And he, as I said, he has the skill set. It's probably one of the easiest things he's got to do is create plays with his outside men. Um, this year he's going to have, you know, once the team's uh, at full strength, he's going to have Adam Dewey at centre on one side, Hastings on the other. Um, he's going to have some decent line runners out wide. Zero fucking excuses mm. not to be doing something in attack. You know, now we've got all these people have to have get brought into the team to fucking carry him. It's just stupid. Yeah, and, and look, that's why I, you know, that's why I, I was out on Brooks last year completely, you know, and... <sighs> I mean, they they bring in Hastings, you know, they, they, they've they got a different coach once again, they've got this leadership group and stuff, and it, a lot of it goes away if you have a halfback who's, you know, experienced and knows knows how to just get a team around the park. And the thing is, he has got more than enough experience to be able to do that. And bec- the fact that he can't do it, you've got to let him go. You know, yeah. I, I don't know if they go to Newcastle and say, look, can we do some player swap and try and get someone back, put Hastings into half-back, do we back into 5-8? But I just think that I, I really did last year. I was like, man, it's time to cut their losses because I just don't know where, like, what's the end game for him? You know, because we've seen younger players with far less experience just fly past him. He still plays like a rookie. Well... Yeah, he's 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 never really gone up. He sort of mm. he started on this massive spike because nobody knew the hell, what the hell he was, and he played out alongside all of his mates. The only people he's ever learned how to have combinations with Tedesco, Moses, um, were the two main ones. There are a few others in there as well, but because they all grew up playing together and they know each other's game, he yeah. could do this instinct sort of shit. But he didn't get to carry on with that because Tedesco got injured within the first 10 minutes of the next game the following year, I think. Yeah. And Tedesco was constantly injured the whole for the rest of his time at the West Tigers after that. And having two rookie halves side by side is not a great way to have either of them learn how to do their job better. We've seen how much Moses struggles with form. A lot of it comes down to the fact that he didn't get paired with an experienced half. Um. And we're seeing the same thing with Brooks. He didn't. He never got paired with an experienced half, so they just they learnt the same mistakes at the same time from each other. And then when they got into a form slump, they fucking stay there and they struggle to get out of it. And 
Yeah. When Parramatta got Moses, paired him up with another inexperienced half. And so you could just get this continuation of form slumps with him. You can yeah. see when Moses plays well how fucking good he is. But he needs an experienced player next to him. Yeah, and it's, I mean. Brooks is the same. You just, you know, like, you just get to a point where it's like, what are we doing? Like, what are, we're trying to fix a situation they shouldn't need fixed. And you just gotta, you can't, you've gotta cut your losses. So, I agree, I agree. Um, now, on this, I made a tweet today, and I thought I'd read out the answers on it, because there were a few good ones. But I said on there, so what exactly is new in the West Tigers' new era? Didn't get too many yeah. replies, but I've got a few here. Lambretta yeah. come up said, Leichhardt Oval, it's all brand new. <laughs> Rolls of toilet paper in one of the stalls. Your job is to hope it's the one you visit. <laughs> um, Philip Greenwood said, the era, obviously. <laughs> the, yeah, just the era. It's just a um, new era. That's it. The whole thing. Petro Dark said, the logo with a question mark. Yeah, I guess um, they took the claws off them. Alex Harlos said, we might finish last. Never done that before. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Bourbon said, sadly, I fear just the marketing. Um, Dave K, new ways to run 12th, new excuses. New excuses <laughs> why the boom 19-year-old back row was signed with the Chooks. That's a good one. Senor uh, Mick said, hats. Hats. <laughs> I must say, said, absolutely nothing. Uh, Richard Cranium said, the logo. Um, NJR79 said, a captain for each home ground. <laughs> um, uh, Mark Malone says, correction, it's new era, spelled E-R-R-O-R. Era, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, L. Satin, the Tiger's hands fell off the logo. Um, and the funniest one from Cat Bros NRL podcast says, they're going to play finals. <laughs> that ain't happening. That's no. Sure. <laughs> There's some good ones there, though. Yeah, there, there were some funny ones. I, I like the new era. Oh, yeah, that is, that is brilliant. We should do hashtag new era for West Tigers <laughs> games. <laughs> um, that's pretty much my gripe. Now, there was some other thing in the news. I'm actually coming to you with news for a change. Oh, really? Because I didn't go to work today, so I got a chance to read a bit of stuff. Yep. Um, Michael Chemis is reporting in the Sydney Morning Herald that the NRL has appointed former Channel 9 boss Hugh Marks as a consultant to head up the NRL's CBA negotiations with the players. Um, Is that Channel 9 that lost shitloads of money? Yeah, and that screwed the NRL over. So I made this response to that saying, so after Marks fucked the NRL over in the last free-to-air deal, he's about to fuck over the players in their CBA. Perhaps PVL sees this as a way to recover the lost money while maintaining his consistent fuck-the-players approach. Thoughts? <laughs> you know what? I mean, I, like, it's, say you went into a negotiation and you come out of it and you're like, the man, we got we got absolutely, you know, screwed. It's not the worst thing in the world to then uh, get that person on board, hey? Well, I suppose not. I mean... It does make me wonder, was this part of the arrangement that uh, PVL signed with Marx? Is that, um, you know, we'll let you fuck us over with the deal here and we'll give you a job, but you need to try and find a way to make things good for us with the players. I don't know. I'd like to know why he's a former executive at Channel 9. Um, probably because he paid for rugby union rights. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the books and were like, you paid how many dollars? For what? 
What is this? Yeah. It doesn't look anything like NRL. What is, what is this? Some it's experimental like, game? Seriously, there's teams from from Australia, and we might be able to have some Kiwi teams. We had some South African teams, but they're gone, so we're going to make some new teams. Like, oh, man, what a mess. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that deal between the players and the NRL. I think that... I think that the deal that they have in place is pretty fair. I, I think that if they carried that forward, that would be um, best for both parties. But, you know, hopefully we don't see the NRL trying to strong arm the players into a bad deal because... I bet they are. I, well, I would bet they are too. I would bet that just with uh, Peter Volandi's, you know, much talked about leadership style, he's probably looking to, you know squeeze the some more money out of the players, you know? And he will he will get the media wanking him hard, talking about how great he is as a negotiator and all the great stuff he's doing for the game yeah. while it all yeah. happens. And the players are just going to be left, you know. This, this is probably one of those things that the players don't really need as a new team's about to, to join the competition. Well, the thing about a new team joining the competition is a, a players association should look at that and say, look, there's 10 million extra dollars in the, in the player pool that the player pool can access. So that's always a good thing. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't mean they have to give up their rights. It'll be interesting to see what the players are pushing for in terms of getting extra rights out of the game. Um, you know, and we'll see what happens, I guess, because, uh, I, I think that the current deal is pretty good. I think that they'll push for more money for play, uh, female players because I saw Ali Brigginshaw talking about how um, it's like 500 bucks a week for the female players and you're doing more working at Woolies. But I think well, yeah, that, it's fucking ridiculous what the women are getting. Yeah, and, and the thing that they have to weigh up there is how much the WNRL or the NRL, I think it's NRLW, isn't it? How much yeah. the NRLW is generating for the game. There'll obviously be some sort of support for that. You know, it's not, they're not just going to earn what they generate. There's going to be some money that comes in from the wider game going into that, but it needs to be at a level where the game can sustain it. Just like every other thing, you know, just like the, the dolphins coming into the competition. It can't be a, a huge loss-making uh, venture for the game. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there too. I think given the the speed in popularity that NRLW has, has created, mm. the fact they're expanding already, um, I'm, I'd be – I know it doesn't sound like a, a smart business tactic at first. Mm. I'd be willing to give them a pay rise, which would – inherently force the NRL to take it even more seriously and do more to promote it in order to get, you know, to get the extra money required to keep giving them the bigger pay rise. Instead of trying to just farm money from the male players more than anything to pay for the women, because that's basically what they're doing at the moment. Yeah. Just go, you know what? Here, have a chunk of money. It's in your hands, ladies. You make this thing bigger and better, and there'll be more of this coming your way. You know what I mean? So sort of work the other way around. Give them the money up front. And that puts the trust into the players. Like they'll be trusting the NRL to look after them. Whereas the other way at the moment, it's pretty hard for them to actually build it up because the NRL is not really looking too much financially at NRLW. They're, you know, 
they'll be making money out of it. Don't get me wrong, mm. but they're looking at the amount of money they're getting from the actual NRL, the men's comp, and going, "That's our money. This is just a little hobby thing we've got on the side." And that's kind of the way they're going to treat it until NRLW starts making some serious coin. And, and look, this is this is why they should have had their own administration. I agree. So that they were they were completely focused on the NRLW. They set up teams that weren't just the men's teams with a new badge, you know. Um, it's funny. We've talked so for so many years about, well, you know, if you had a clean slate and you could start all over again, what would you do? And we had a clean slate start all over again, and we put teams in the exact same fucking spots. Because the so, NRL ran it. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous, you know. Furthermore, like, I mean, the, the thing that sucks about that too is that they didn't put teams – they didn't. They didn't reward the teams who had done a lot of the groundwork before the NRLW competition started, and that was basically South and Cronulla, mm. who'd been doing a lot of hard work um, up front, getting the game going, getting some popularity there, building it up, building the player base, that sort of stuff. And then they brought out the first four teams, and they weren't either of them. And then they expanded, and they still don't have a team there. That's a kick in the teeth for those two teams who did so much unbelievable work to start with. They're still and not look- rewarded for it. And, and looking in Sydney, it would have been really simple, north, south, east, and west. That's what we've always yeah. talked about. Yeah. If you and need to, you can have a central team. This, the central team could have been south. The south team could have been Cronulla. You just need, you know, you don't even need an east team. Just have a north Just have a north and a west. Yeah, There's your four teams. It just makes no sense how they're doing it. And, you know, it shouldn't be up to the women's players, and I guess the, the RLPA is going to negotiate for them. Um, it shouldn't be up to them to be looking for handouts. They should be – I just think it would have been better if they had their own administration, they knew what the costs were, they knew what they were generating, and they didn't have to go to the NRL itself and say, well, what's going on? Um you know, and I think if it had been that way, we would have got an NRL se- uh, w- NRLW season last year too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what else has been going on? Uh, Latrell Mitchell was talking about how he's not really going to change his playing style, and he thinks that the game should toughen up a little bit, basically, uh, <laughs> which is kind of weird because you know he did smash someone's face in. And it was, it was pretty reckless, you know, with what he was doing. Like we talked about it a lot last year and, you know, it wasn't intentional, but he did go in without full control of you. Yeah. He didn't have full control of his body going into a tackling situation. So, um, that was a problem. Um, you know, and no one else is at fault for that except for him. So for him to be calling the game soft when he's made a clearly sloppy at attempt at a tackle. Um, it's a bit silly on his behalf. Uh, yeah, I I don't know why he came out and say something like that. Man, you've been suspended already lengthily for yeah. the hit. I'd just shut your mouth. I, I would have just wanted to go into the season under the radar if I was yeah. him. I don't want to see him change his style of play. I, I, I've talked about it. I, You know... People want Latrell Mitchell to be uh, a poster boy, and I don't think he is, and that's fine. No. I'm happy with that. Exactly. I, and look, I I like the I like pretty much everything he does. There's just mm-hmm. that those few moments where he just goes a little bit too far, and it's only yeah. a little bit. 
and it's usually um, ill discipline. Yeah. Like we've seen him a few times where I think he, there was a game he played in last year or the year before where he got tackled around the legs and as he was getting up, he kind of did a bit of a mule kick and almost hit a, a player in the face. Yeah. Um, he couldn't have seen the player's face. We wouldn't have known it was going to be kicking at their face, but still you don't need to do that. And that's just a silly lash out thing you don't need to do. It's those little things. The hit he did on, on Manu last year, he wanted to rush up, put on a big hit. He was doing all of that, executed poorly. Again, just tiny little change. It doesn't need to be much. Just a tiny little bit. Be a little bit cleaner with what you're doing. Mm. Um, don't let the red mist descend so early. Just hold it back a little bit. Yeah. That's all yeah. you got to do. Everything else about what you do, Latrell, is fucking gold. On and off the field. I've got no issue what he does off the field either. No. Because um, I don't think he's done anything bad off the field. No, no. Other than the stupid shit with the guns. But, you know, it was his property and he had a, he had a gun license. The yep. only idiot there was the people who didn't have a gun license. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just... I've I've got no real gripe with what he does. I love the way he plays. He does play aggressive, and aggressive people are going to do things where they sail a bit close to the wind at times. But I, was, I think I was, he does it a little bit too often. See, the thing I always get is there's a lot of people that just inherently don't like him. And I, there's a lot of players like that. Like, a lot of people didn't like Cameron Smith. I didn't get that either. Like, and Latrell Mitchell's one of those players, and I don't know if it's because he's a high-profile player or and the suspensions don't help, obviously, mm. but... You know, and then there's, I mean, we we know that he's been targeted by racists, which is, you know, inexcusable. But there's fucking just... Fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah. But there's... But actually, can there, I just say, just to interrupt you, if you're yeah. a racist, you're a fucking idiot. We'll yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, but th- there are just people that don't like him. And I don't understand it whatsoever. I love watching him play. I just don't get it. But the let's be honest, too. The fucking media, especially James Hooper, they worked really hard a few years back to paint him out as being some sort of little shit. And That's they true. used lies and bullshit and, you know, opinions and all sort of rubbish to, to smear his name. That works. Sadly, mm. it works. As much as, as many of us go out there and try our best to point out how much of a load of bullshit it all was, mm. we can't reach everybody. And some people are just going to sit there and go, well, geez, this Latrell's a bit of a snob, isn't he? Getting around in a fucking fancy $400,000 Mercedes. You know, it's not his car, mate. Yeah, you know? and it's and it was, a, what was it, $89,000 one. Yeah. I think we looked it up. And, yeah. Um, they talk it, about how he he lost touch of where he come from, then a few weeks later he's up and he's up where he came from fighting the bushfires in 2019, 2020, and going, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Look, I... I I was thinking about this a couple of months ago that um, there were people that cover the game in the mainstream media and the corporate media. I call it the corporate media now because it's not mainstream anymore. It's it's just corporations. They're not mainstream thinkers. So the corporate media has um, people within it that cover the game who I honestly believe don't like players. And I, I mean that generally. And I don't know where that comes from, whether it's a, the fact that they... Failed they, at playing. What? They, they failed at playing the game. Well, there's that possibility. I mean, the look, 
the vast majority of them would never get close to being any sort of decent player. And maybe that burns with them. Um, the fact that players, I mean, these people are outsiders. We've talked about that before. So the fact that they're outsiders, maybe that burns them. The fact that the players get the attention, maybe that burns them. I don't know what it is, but there are plenty of people in the corporate media that you can listen to. And it is very clear that they do not like rugby league players and they want to attack them whenever they can. Um, they want to attack the game whenever they can. And they make money off of doing it. So they, you know, they're successful at that because that's what the corporations enjoy. But it's, it's really weird when you hear some of these people in the vindictive way they'll talk about players. And you kind of think to yourself, what's wrong with this person in particular? Not the player, the person that's spewing their hate at the player. Uh, it's very strange. I think we need to come up for a new term to for to these people instead of calling them journos or journalists because they're not. Yeah, they're just not. I mean, how many real journalists are in the corporate media anymore? Yeah, not, not a great deal. What can we call them that's um, clearly derisive towards what they actually do and would probably burn, you know, make them really, really seething angry that they've now got that label? Well, I, th- I think bloggers. Well, I don't know. I don't think bloggers has a bad connotation to it. I know it's a a uh, a step down from journalists, but I think we need something a little bit more um, irritating for them. Uh, more irritating than a blogger. Yeah, being called a blogger. Vegan? <laughs> <laughs> Cyclist? Cyclist. <laughs> uh I don't know. Yeah. That's something we've got to work on. Yeah. Just think of some sort of term to, to label them with. And then we can we can separate the the people who belong in this new typecast from the bloggers and from the journalists. So people know there's a certain tier that they're all in. Yeah. It could be wor- yeah. a work in progress where we go through each year and just sort of move people around for each group they belong in. I think that when they go from reporting to they they start spewing their opinions, which no one cares. No one has ever cared what a journalist has to say. Like, no, I mean, we barely care about what a former player has to say. Yeah. A, a no-name clown like James Hooper, why should we give a shit what he has to say? Yeah. Is it just like, zero interest? How, in how does he automatically get credibility amongst the fan base? I don't understand that. I don't think he does, though. Well... He must have some amount because he's still fucking employed to do this shit. But I think that he's employed to do this shit because he he writes things that generates clicks, and that isn't necessarily positive, which it's not his job to be okay. positive. But it's his job to just piss the fans off, you reckon? Well, yeah. Yeah, hmm. I, I, I do. I honestly think it comes down to that. I think so that... He's an irritant. Yeah, maybe an irritant. Like a rash. <laughs> Possibly. Crabs. Um, crabs. <laughs> well, a crabs are rash. A crabs, are, crabs are an infestation. Well, 
We're getting down to the real nitty gritty of some fucking really interesting stuff here. But anyway, I, I just think Quick, that run away from the interesting stuff as quickly as we can. Yeah, yeah. Let's get away from the libel stuff. Um, <laughs> it, it's just I don't know. I just don't like it when you will listen to somebody in the corporate media and it is just obvious that they're they they sound vindictive against players. It's oh, it's really weird. Vindictive. I've got to write this down because I've had an idea. Okay. What's, what's a word to describe them that starts with the letter D? Alcohol. Um. D. Dickheads. Dipshits. Okay. Dipshits. Dopes. Hmm. Dickheads. Yeah. We'll call them vindictive, vindictive dickheads because that's VD. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Done. Right. Sorted. That's now official. Okay. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Latrell Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the other thing on Latrell Mitchell is uh, South Sydney have put in a kind of a request or lobbying or whatever you want to use there to have the All-Stars game included as one of the games that he should you know, have removed from his suspension. So instead of him missing the first six weeks of the season, he should only miss five because he would have been picked in the All-Stars game. And the NRL said, okay. And I think it doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, it's a a strange one. I'm going to say this purely based on the laws of the game, okay? So this has got nothing to do with the purpose behind the All-Stars game, all right? Mm -hmm. The All-Stars game is not played under official rules, Mm-hmm. That being 17 aside, I'm pretty sure the All-Stars game's got more than 17 players aside, hasn't it? Isn't it 18 aside? Uh, yeah, I, th- I have a feeling it is, and it's played in quarters. It's played in quarters. So it doesn't run by the official rules of the game. So for me, it doesn't classify as an official game. Yeah. That's It'd it. be like if you, used, if you allowed rules like that to become official parts of the game, you start messing with the absolute fabric of the game and important things like, you know, what is a test match? And all of a sudden you get players that don't deserve one extra test match. Now they've got that extra test match. Yes. Well, the problem you got too is if you allow games that are the, like the All-Stars game, mm. um, if you allow that to be included, then why aren't trial matches included as suspensions? Yeah, Because exactly. they play under, you know... Very similar rules. A lot of them have yeah. got more than 70 players on the on this team, um, and they're playing quarters. What's the difference? And they're official NRL clubs that are playing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a slippery slope. I, yeah, I, I mean, if that's, and if that's the case, if you had Latrell Mitchell, who's got six games to serve, and you can get trial games in the All-Stars game, you just gonna, the South will just come and go, okay, we've got six games, you'll play All-Stars. Okay, let's have five trial games this year. Oh, fuck, Latrell Mitchell's ready for round one. And look, this goes back to when, remember when Blocker Roach was suspended yeah. and he, he, I, I think he actually flew over to England to miss games in England, didn't he? So and, yeah, the plan was, it was during the 1988 final series mm-hmm. and he got suspended, I think in round 22. And I'm pretty sure his suspension was for four weeks, which meant, or five weeks, which meant, or I think back then it was games, um, which meant he was, even if Balmain won all of their games and they were playing from fifth. If they won all of their games, they would get to the grand final, but he would miss all of them due to suspension. 
So the idea was he would go over to England and he would sign for a club over there for half the season. Um, and then he would be missing games at, you know, essentially two games a week. So he'd make it up pretty quickly because he'd miss a game for Balmain and then a game over in England, then a game for Balmain, a game over in England, then a game for Balmain, game in England. Bang, he's free to come back for the grand final. Mm-hmm. That's what they were planning on doing. The New South Wales Rugby League though, at the time said, hey, we see what you're doing and fuck no. Yeah. And so it didn't go through. But I'm pretty sure similar things had been done in the past, not as flagrantly. I think it might have been done to miss um, shorter suspensions and in the middle of the season, not to try and get players available for finals matches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was that was a pretty flagrant one they were trying to do. And yeah, I'm pretty sure he did actually fly over to England. I can't remember who he'd signed for. Yeah, I'm almost, for I'm almost certain I remember him. Uh, flying over to England, but but that's why they brought in the thing of well, no, now we're going to make it known that it is first grade uh, Australian rugby league games that we're talking about, and that was done for a reason, and yeah. then get to you know 2022 and all those memories are now faded, and it's like oh yeah, let's let's let an all star game count, yeah, um. Yeah, I, I don't like it. I think if you're – ideally, too, I'd also like it to be so that if you get suspended at an NRL-level game, mm-hmm. then NRL and Super League games and games rank higher that rank higher above that on official level are the ones that are included in that suspension. Games below that, um, you can't play in those and expect yeah. that to be taken off your suspension. Also, you, you can't play them anyway. You just spend it from those. Yeah. Um, they just shouldn't count. So it's got to be from the level you, you got suspended at and above. Mm-hmm. So if you got but suspended then playing in championship, mm. then you can't go to League One and try and get out of playing games by signing with a League One club. And you also can't play Super League teams or in old games, test matches, that sort of thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But then you could have somebody, and this is why you've got to have like, common sense rules in place where you could be suspended in Queensland Cup and then say, well, I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm just a Queensland Cup player and I'm going to be suspended right through the grand final. So I'm going to sign a contract with the Panthers and then those games count, you know, above what you were doing as well. And it, it, it's, we sorted that out. We sorted that out fucking 20 years ago. I can't yeah. believe we're back here. 30 years it's, ago. It's almost like as though, the, you know, the old saying like history is destined to pe- repeat itself sometimes. Yeah. And you, you you think, oh, you know, really? Does that really happen? And then all of a sudden, you know, some idiot in Europe wants to fucking take over part of another country and appeasement kicks in and you're like, oh, yeah, it does happen. <laughs> it just keeps going on a cycle. It really does. It's really yeah. I can change history. No, you can't. No. Yeah. So that's uh, that's pretty much that. What else have we got yeah. to have gripes with? We've been griping well today. I know. We've had to vent, apparently. Now, the yeah. NRL has changed the way they're dealing with concussions. They're taking their power away from club doctors, and they're putting it in the hands of a independent medical professional who's going to be um, a doctor, obviously. <laughs> You're not going to have, like, a... I don't know, chiropractor. Uh, 
an independent doctor will be in the central video room and they will rule on concussed players. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. How's that going to work? Well, you say... Say... I mean, don't, I, I, yeah. don't get me wrong. Hey, look, I've got to state this by using a great term from uh, from Fox Sports commentators. You know, I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. And we can get we can get the uh, the good doctor Alan Pierce on to, to confirm this with us, perhaps. Um, but I'm pretty sure every time we've seen someone getting concussed, having a bit of a head knock, there's a little torch flashed around in their eyes. How do you do that from the bunker? They're buying a really big torch. <laughs> um, Binoculars. Yeah, yeah. Get a telescope get... and a long torch. Basically, it's a lot of mirrors involved. <laughs> Because uh, they've got to get to Townsville with this torch, so uh, they're also maybe they get some of that, those five K ultra high D cameras onto the players' eyes. Yeah, they've been doing a lot of testing. Apparently, it works pretty well, and players' eyesight fixes up like it's LASIK surgery. But um, <laughs> so, we can't even see if a ball has been fucking grounded properly in the green. Are we going to see a pupil on a player's head? Like, <laughs> Let alone two of them. Structure. Anyway, so they're going to have the doctor in the bunker, right? And if and this says if they see that a player has any Category 1 symptoms, such as loss of consciousness, failing to protect oneself when falling and unsteadiness on the feet, they, get, they can rule them out of the match immediately from the bunker. We can see that as non-doctors. But yeah, surely but... you don't need a doctor to determine that one. Those ones are fucking obvious. Why won't we get the person in the bunker to do something a little bit more intense than that? The person who's running the bunker, the video guy, mm-hmm. he can fucking point that out. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I if think sometimes wobbling around on their feet, they fall over face first and they put their hands up. I'll go, hmm. Yeah, for I don't those think you did that on purpose. <laughs> look, for those ones, it's obvious, right? But I think but sometimes but the ones you mentioned, though. Yeah, but but here's the thing: how many times have we seen players? Uh, almost mimic, like get involved in a big tackle and they might stumble away from the tackle. Like they say they go into the tackle and they get bumped off and they'll stumble away. They might even fall back on their back and it looks like they've been knocked out, but they haven't. They've just been knocked out of the play. And it, that stumbling could be mistaken for concussive issues. And we've seen that happen. When we've seen players have to leave the field and they do their test, they run straight back on and there's, there was nothing wrong with them. Um, I, I think that obviously it's been very cautious and they'll probably be overly cautious. But I think it's interesting that you can have somebody that's watching a TV in Sydney who will be able to overrule a doctor that is in front of a player in Townsville. Is the NRL so short of money they can't afford eight doctors, just one each game? Oh, I mean... And just have them at the actual venue. And they can well, be there for all the games being played that day. And look, there might be games where there's double headers. You only need to have one for two games. Well, remember when they brought in the bunker and the whole idea was to make it so that there were fewer officials being used at different venues for the video referee? Yeah. 
And then they started cycling different officials through the video referee box. So it didn't fucking work. It was just like the same problem. It was just all in one place. And look, it would have cut down costs because they're not traveling with all that equipment and having to set it all up. So I understand that. And I'm not against the bunker. I think it's fine. No, I think, but, and look, I think what you just said there is the reason why the bunker came into place is more the cost thing, not anything else. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Everything look, else was a wanky reason that they come up with, but there was, you know, the only reason for it was cost. If I said to you in five years' time that the corporate media was saying, you know what, we need people at the ground in the stands making decisions and games, and we went back to the old system, would you be shocked? Um, oh, I don't know. I, oh. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if that idea come up. I don't, I don't see that there's, there are some rules which the NRO will go back to, which they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And there's ones that they should go back to, but they don't. Um, so yeah, it's, I think that's one that they, I don't think they should go back from the bunker. No, neither do I. Neither do I. Um, I think it, it's a fine system. It works. And I, I don't think that they will go back. Mostly because Annesley will have a fucking silk and kick up a stink because he'll probably have to give back his Rolexes. Look, I, I just think they've created such a culture of we have to do something so that it looks like we're doing something and we oh, just no. buy our jobs. Imagine going through that messy cool. divorce with Annesley and his Rolexes. Oh, no, man. That would be that miserable. Was, yeah, yeah. He'd be going in, instead of going in and pointing out all the issues all the referees making these supposed to be supporting every week, he'd be coming in with receipts and stuff. Oh, man. It, no, he'd be representing like himself for sure as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that'd be horrible. He starts proceedings with like, can I address the court? And they're like, what are you talking about? This is a divorce, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) The matter of Annesley versus Rolex. Yes. (laughs) Oh, shit. Now, Uh, how many of the trial games did you watch on the weekend? Almost half of one. Okay. I watched the first. I watched the first uh, seven or eight minutes of the Tigers versus Manly, mm-hmm. and I saw a lot of the worst of the West Tigers in 2021 happening straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, most notably, Luke Brooks kicking the ball, the first Tiger set they had, kicked the ball straight down the middle, straight down Tom Travoich's throat, and I thought... that's That seems fine. I said, did you not see anything of what Tom Travoich <laughs> did last year? Like... Why would you kick to him? I don't care if he kicks straight down the winger's throat because he can't run right or left. He can only go one direction. He's got the sideline on the other side, so your defense has an easier job. Mm. Don't kick it straight to Tom Drabois in the middle of the field. He'll fucking kill you. He did it all last year. Why do that? I don't get it. And then, sure enough, the first tackling set Manly had on the on the uh, in the Tigers' half, they just did this stock standard, um, you know, run to the line and pass as you've as you've drawn the defender. Mm-hmm. gentle sliding action to it, and all of a sudden a gap appeared and they just walked straight through it and scored a try and went, fuck that soft. Yeah. Like, that is... I, I know it's only a trial, but you know what? In a trial match, even in a fucking practice run, that is such a simple play to defend against, mm-hmm. and a try should never be scored like that. And the mm-hmm. Tigers let in try after try like that last year, and they're still making the same fucking mistake now, and I don't know why. Like, they get taught the same thing all the time. You've got to do this. You've got to slide with him. You've got to make sure you push him towards the sideline and don't fucking 
hold back. Don't be tentative because mm. you've got more cover defense coming behind you. If you're sliding properly, you'll keep coming across. So these numbers coming, but for some reason, one person always stops and everyone else behind them stops. And you all of a sudden, big guy up and you know, what the fuck? I don't get it. How can they be so stupid? And it's, you know, losing 28 to four in trials are a, a pretty bad loss. Like I was thinking, it was mainly second second string time, essentially reserve grade side playing against them in the second half, and that's the ones yeah. who scored the most points against them. And uh, like, it was like eight think, four at half time. I think in a trial match, what you wanted, I don't mind if you lose a match because no. it's a lot of it is just getting getting a run into your legs. So I don't mind a team if they lose a match, but if you lose badly and you lose a few of them badly, that's normally a really bad sign. There's very few times in the game's history where a team has had really bad losses in the preseason and then they've had a really good year. I suppose mainly last year because they lost to the Tigers in the trial. <laughs> but, but did um, they get flogged? I think it might have been so like really? 40 to 10 or something. But the I'd problem, like to see. I'd like to see the rest of their preseason stuff, though. Yeah, the problem though I find with, with the trial games is, um, as, like you, I don't. The result does not matter. Yeah. It's really irrelevant. I yeah. want to see the absolute basics being done right because mm-hmm. they should be done right from the fucking get go. And the Tigers were letting too many points being scored too easily mm-hmm. in a trial match, which means they're not even switched on defensively yet. So yeah. The, for the basics, and yeah. that's what worries me. It's not their attack or anything like that. The fact that they still don't know how to defend properly. Um, and they've got some of the best, the best coaching minds around at the club at the moment. They brought in mm-hmm. a really good defensive coach. Players just don't get it. I don't know why. And I, yeah. I think it comes back to having a, a mute at halfback. Uh, what else can it be? Like, he doesn't organise anything. So how's the defence person know what to do? Everyone's just sort of guessing. And that's what's been going on for too long. It's all just guesswork. And, and you know, I, I guess part of it is also the culture of the club. You know, if it, you know if there's been players and stuff there that have been lazy, um, players that haven't developed their game, it just eventually it's got to become a like almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of you bring players into the side and they sort of, they fit in, you know, they fit in with the rest of the club. And unfortunately the rest of the club is on a really poor pathway to being a, you know, first grade player. You bring in youngsters, they see the same environment, you know, you can get a situation where a young player just, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. At some stage, though, it stops being entirely on the players and on the coach. Yeah. There's a culture of feebleness within the club. It yep. starts at the very top. It works through every single part of it. And even when you get a coach there who's determined to make things better and he's fucking passionate and he's doing everything he can to make things better, when you've got that much... Uh, Let's call it fucking pathetic because that's what it is. Pathetic yeah. attitude about rugby league and a, such a piss weak culture. Doesn't matter how motivated and how passionate that coach is and how good he is at what he does, you're not going to change anything. Yeah. Doesn't matter what players you move in. If the attitude is, eh, 
So long as we don't get the wooden spoon, that'll be good. So long as we put in a few good performances and keep the sponsors happy, we'll be fine. Too much of what they've been doing under bloody potato there is all about the corporate shit. Oh, look, we're doing really good with the money and the members and all this sort of stuff. And he's talking about all that sort of stuff and going, it means shit. Yeah. I know you, I know you think it's great, but it's sport. It's result driven. You need to fucking win. Eventually people are going to go, I'm sick of supporting a team that's always shit and is an absolute laughing stock. I'm done with this. And they'll just stop. They'll eventually get so fed up, they'll just stop turning up. Yeah. And look, they, they haven't made the finals for a decade, right? And, you know, for, for an adult, you can say, wow, that's a long time. You could have a kid that has never seen them make the finals and has never had a reason to follow that club. And look, everyone doesn't follow a club just because they're the local teams. You know, there's some kids follow a team that's the hot team in the competition and they stick with them. Um, you know, what have the West Tigers given their fans a reason to follow them? As I've said before, like every NRL team since 2010, 2011, right? They've had a rebuild. They've had one season that was shit, at mm. least. They've had a rebuild. They've gone through and said, you know, we're going to burn a season or two, start from scratch, get everything built up again. And they've done that, and they've got back into the finals. Mm-hmm. The Tigers are the only team that hasn't done any of that. They've just sat there being mediocre outside the top eight the whole time, refusing yeah. to do a rebuild, refusing to do anything. Let's just coast along on mediocre. We'll be fine. We've you know, we're not going anywhere. They're just happy that they haven't been axed because of finances. Yeah. Because, you know, that was always a, an axe was hanging over the head when they were, you know, the magpies, I guess, in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Down, mate, to a lesser extent in the late 90s or early 90s. You know, they don't have to worry about finances anymore. I guess that's that's a pass mark for them. Mm-hmm. We're not insolvent. Yay, we survived another year. That'll do. Seriously, it feels like that. It feels yeah. like that. That's a win. Tick that box that's starting next season now. How many members have we got? Are they all paid up? Beautiful. We'll survive another year. Get another you sponsor on board. I think that I think one of the lessons you look at with this West Tigers at the moment in their new era is uh, if you're a good coach, if you're a good first grade coach, don't take a bad job. Wait. You know, I think of Jeff Tuvey, who hasn't taken on a bad coaching role, and and. You look at Michael Maguire, there's nothing he can do there. It, I, like, And he's trying. You saw him in yeah. that show last year. And he's getting no results out of the players. And the management's garbage. Um, you know, well, we it, saw, it, all, all we saw from, from Potato was him going to a billionaire and asking for money. And by doing that, he went up there and gave him some trinkets. Yeah. Here's it, some shit. Give us cash. Job done. Well, I'm done for the year. Yeah. You know, it's and then he said, "Oh, I don't have ups and downs." It's like that's half your problem, mate. Um, don't care enough. Yeah, and he it, it doesn't burn him when they lose either. No. So uh, I don't know. I just it's one of those situations where you sort of throw hands in the air. So really, the only team you can look at and say, "Wow, what the what the fuck do you? Where do you start?" Like you can look at the Cowboys and say, "Okay, I've got." a junior development system up there that puts out some pretty good players. you still got Tom Malolo. You've got a coach that's in his second season. Maybe he's building something. You know, you can look at St. George Illawarra and say, well, they've got a good junior development system. You know, the coach feels like he's he's got a plan. I don't 
know what that plan is. But look, and he's a winning coach as well. The West Tigers look at it and say, I don't know where the fuck you even begin. I think what the West Tigers really need is horrible. They need a wooden spoon. The problem yeah. is, as soon as they get a wooden spoon, the first thing they'll do is they'll sack the coach, which is the last person they need to get rid of. Mm-hmm. He's not the problem. And barely any of the coaches other than Jason Taylor have been the problem. Mm. Tim Sheens, to a degree, still, you know, stayed a season too long. Um, but he wasn't the problem at the time. Um, Taylor was just the wrong, entirely the wrong, um, you know, hired coach. Should never have been well, picked. The, the thing with Taylor, too, is they brought him in and said, uh, we've got a problem here. We don't want to sort it. Can you just fucking, dist- like, just tear our club apart for us publicly? And uh, that's what we're hiring you for. And, and look to his credit, he said, well, look, if you hire me to do it, I'll do it. And he did it. And then they sacked him. <laughs> that whole thing. It's easy to feel, I suppose you could feel sorry for Jason Taylor and Robbie Farrow and all that, because as much as those two didn't get on, you know Taylor was brought in to try and get Robbie Farrow to leave the club. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they wanted to get rid of Robbie Farrow wasn't because he wasn't playing well. It was because Farrow had been taking pay cuts for years so that the club could keep him under the cap and could keep some of their other players in the side. Very selfless mm. thing he was doing. Benji Marshall, too, was doing the same thing. When Farrow came up for his last contract extension, apparently, the club said, you know what, we're going to do... We're going to do good by you. We're going to upgrade your contract above what you what you should be getting to try and repay you back for some of the money that you forfeited to help us out in previous seasons. So a lot of people were laughing at the West Tigers for signing Farrow on this, you know, I think it was reported $900,000 a year deal. We all know he wasn't worth that at the time, but it wasn't. they weren't paying him on current market value. They were trying to re, repay him for previous good deeds. Problem is... They only wanted to do that for, they didn't want to do that for the whole lot. I thought it'd be good if we could just do that. And then he goes to another club and they pay him his current market value and we just pay the rest of the deal out. So we're only paying him half as much, but he's still yeah. getting the money he deserves. And it was a, it was a dick move. Yeah. To someone who'd been so loyal to your club, despite the way you've treated them all the time. And he still didn't leave after all of that. He stayed there and dug his heels in. He played reserve grade. He didn't care. He was playing Origin and Reserve Grade in the same year. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't want to leave. It's shown, too, that when Taylor left and Michael McGuire said to him, would you be interested in coming back? He's gone, fuck yes. Yeah. Straight back. Not an issue. Shows you just how loyal that bloke was and how committed he was to the team. And he played good footy when he came back as well. Um, And Taylor just had the shit job of trying to get rid of you know, a club legend, and in the end, he ended up ruining uh, Farrah's reputation at the club, made him look like an absolute shithead. And Taylor had no idea how to coach an NRL side, so the team was just getting worse under his leadership as well. In the end, we ended up pissing off a club legend, cost us a heap of money, and wasted three years, and we achieved absolutely nothing. Next coach comes in, and he's got to start from the bottom, almost. Yeah, yeah. And that was Ivan Cleary. And, you know, he made a few interesting signings. They were good for the first season, but he shouldn't have signed it for four years. And, the well, 
No. The club should never have fucking approved him for four years. That was just stupid on their behalf. And that's the look, and it, that's what it comes down to. Like, it's just a failure of management the whole way through. Yeah. And, you know, it just keeps going on and on. And I mean, how many people have we seen join that West Tigers board and make a profile for themselves and say they're doing this, that, and the other, and then they leave and you're like, well, this person did fucking nothing. Oh, like, what were they doing the whole time? And, you know, we've had... Well, they were doing their own PR. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really weird. And and then, uh, you know, the, even the CEOs before Potato have been garbage. So I, I, I just don't know what to do with West Tigers. They've got the world at their feet down there in South southwestern Sydney. They refuse to go there. They're so committed to being basically a Concord-based club, which makes no fucking sense. And uh, I just don't know. I, I, I really don't know what you do with them. You just let them fucking take up one of the spaces outside the top eight, and you only have 15 teams to, to fight for a top eight spot with, I guess. it's That's how it is. That's how it's been for a decade. Yeah, well, they're not really southwestern Sydney. They're southwest, inner, central, north, southeast, western Sydney. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Do and sometimes I play at Tamworth. Yeah, poor bastards. Now, <laughs> the uh the the game that I watched because I didn't watch all the trials. I obviously watched Sharks versus Panthers. Um, the Sharks got a run in their legs. There's nothing I can really say. I mean, they were a little bit disappointing, but you know, it was both teams like bits and pieces, parts of. You know, they're second-grade teams, basically. Yeah, the um, Sharks didn't have many first-graders there. I think the ones they did have had been coming off... Um, I think they had injuries at the end of last season, so it was about trying to get, as you said, some mileage in the legs. Yeah. Um, some pretty handy-looking players there, though, from both sides in the you know in the depth department. I like well, the, the hooker from the, the Sharks. He was sort of popping up everywhere. Yeah, and look, the thing that... That got me was the depth of the Panthers was outrageous. You know, like oh, you're looking up, at pick up O'Sullivan was good. Jesus, yeah, O'Sullivan was nice. Yeah, and look, they the Panthers. It felt to me like the Sharks run into the Panthers system more than anything else. Yeah. The Sharks run into a team that you know this is a a second unit that is behind the Premiers. So they're going to be pretty good anyway. They're going to they've trained with the Premiers all season. They trained with the Premiers through the off season. Um, the juniors obviously coming through. Uh, it, it was just a lot of things that sort of come together. Where I looked at the two teams and it really did. It was like it really looked like a system that the Panthers had in place versus the Sharks running into it. And um, I think it's one of those games that the Sharks have to say, forget it. We've got to run in our legs, get on with it. Because the scoreline was really one-sided, but it wasn't like the Sharks were diabolical. No. All right, well, that's the trials matches done. I mean, we we only cover the important ones, what yeah, our teams did. Mattered. Yeah, um, you know, well, bits of them anyway. Um, just to close out with, mm-hmm. I've just stumbled across... Um, a list of the top NRL podcasts on Feedspot. The best 60 NRL podcasts. Oh, really? I want to go through the, the top several. We've got, we've got as much time as we fucking well want. You're listening. You're captive. You're just going to have to listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, number one, the Daily Telegraph NRL podcast. 
All right. <laughs> so we know we're working from the bottom up here. Yeah. <laughs> NRL, number two, NRL Boom Rookies. I actually quite like that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Number three, Bloke in a Bar. Not too bad. I don't, I don't know that one. Uh, Dean and Kemp interviews players. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard of that one. It's not too bad. Yeah. Number four, Triple M Rocks Footy, NRL. Isn't that I've just a seen. replay of their show? Yeah. Okay. Uh, number five, the Tripod NRL Betting Podcast. I don't I've know that, heard one. that one. Number six, Sports Best Friends. I've been on that one. They're, I don't mind that one. Mainly because he's a West Tigers fan, and the guy who hosts it did the amazing artwork on this year's uh, Rugby League Annual on the RLP website. Go check yeah. it out. Uh, number seven, How Good Is Rugby League? That was I haven't a, heard of that one. That's got a Roosters fan and a Rabbitohs fan okay. having a chat. Um, number eight, NRL Supercoach All-Stars. All-Stars. Number nine, the Screaming Eagles NRL podcast. Yeah, I've heard of that one. That's a very good one. Number 10, Steve's NRL Footy Tips. Haven't heard of that one. No. Number 11, the Six Again podcast. Heard of that one. Yeah. Uh, number 12, Bats and Balls podcast. Heard of that one. Yeah. Number 13, NRL Bulldogs fans podcast. Haven't heard of that one, though. Number 14, Brett Finch Uncensored. <laughs> oh, boy. That's a rough one. We'll, we'll just move on. Yeah. <laughs> Number 15, The Scope. That's NRL, NFL, that. NBA podcast. Okay. Number 16, The Matty Johns podcast. Ugh. Number 17, Fergo and the Freak. Oh, what are we in 17? Well, oh shit. Not only are we in 17, we're one below Matty Johns. Yeah, that doesn't seem right. Uh, just to round out the 20 because it's a ref, nice round number. And fuck it, it's an NRL list in the off season. We're obliged. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 18, fifth and last NRL podcast. Heard of that number one. Number 19 one. is the Tri-Line podcast, and number 20 is the Three Wise Draftman NRL podcast. Okay. It's interesting that there's a lot of podcasts about uh, soup coach and stuff like that, hey? Yeah. Also interesting, too, just outside the top um, echelon there is the West Tigers podcast. Just like the team, just outside. Just outside, just missed the cut. I do like the West Tigers podcast, though. They're good, too. But yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> we're at 17. It's in interesting because we've looked at a lot of lists like that and we noticed that, like, that can be dependent on, like, if you just put an episode out that went off, you can be number one. But if you're down in your part of the cycle, uh, you can be, like, out of the list. It's really interesting how those lists work. I don't think they've worked out really how to calculate what a top podcast is? No. Yeah. No, they've, they've got no idea. So some of the metrics have, well, I don't think the metrics they've used, but there's some of the things recording on here is number of followers on Facebook, number of followers on Twitter, um, average episode length, and how many episodes per week. Yeah, see, that, that seems kind of weird to do it that way. Like, yeah. You would think that the number of listens should be first. Well, that that would make sense. Yeah. Too much sense. Yeah. No one gets that information except for the podcasts. Well, that's right. No one wants to share it either. For some reason, people are really worried about sharing that sort of data. (laughs) It's because it's commercially sensitive. That's why. 
I don't want the people to know how many how many downloads we get. See, if we told people how many downloads we get, we'd really upset a lot of other podcasts because they'd be like, "Geez, we probably would." I'll say this though: yeah, we're the only podcast that's doing three episodes a week in the top seventeen. Everyone else yeah, is doing less. True. Although we've been doing less than three a, a week. Because <laughs> imagine what that what the stat would have been like if they had done this about six months ago. Yeah, exactly. We've just got to get back into fucking the season, and we'll be back in it. You know. Yeah. Off seasons are horrible. Yeah, th- this one's been really quiet too. Yeah, uh, well, that's what happens when you got a, some tennis bloke not wanting to have a cotton bud stuck up his nose, whatever the fuck that story was about. Cotton. That dominated news. What's he scared of? Yeah, I don't know. I think he'll be fine, multi-millionaire. Yeah, he's uh, he'll he'll survive. Yeah, yeah. But there we are. We're, we're seventeen. Um, whereabouts in the top three do you reckon we should rank? Number one. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. Number one. Yeah. Can you imagine tuning into listen and listen to uh Phil Rothfield on a podcast? Yeah. Why would you do that? Especially Phil Rothfield in an echo chamber with people who are probably working under him. Yeah, with yeah, talking to his subordinates. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine, can you go get me another beer? <laughs> I want to talk. I want to talk about Tom Trebojevic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Can you pronounce his surname again? Tommy Turbo. Tommy Turbo. I, I've got so sick of that nickname, mm. Turbo, because it's clearly said by people who can't be fuck saying his surname, mm. and the Fox. Yeah, the Fox. I, I, I don't know. It's that's a, I don't know. It's a self-appointed nickname. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't like calling players by their nicknames every fucking time you need to mention that player. I was just about to say, can you give yourself a nickname? And then I remembered what, what you know, everything. <laughs> what the podcast is named. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just occurred to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, every time on commentary, every commentator, oh, the fox, hang on. Just call him Josh once. Addo Carr. Yeah. Like Josh, Josh Addo Carr, I guess for some reason... For some people, it probably just doesn't roll off the tongue real easy. It does for me. I'm going to call him Jack. What do you mean? Why Jack? J-A-C, it's his initials. Call him Jack. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. Fuck it, I will this year. Every time they say Fox, I'm going to call him Jack. (laughs) (laughs) What happens if... I'm I'm pushing back against mainstream. What happens if he's going off? (laughs) Well, you know, he probably does get quite excited when he's going off. <laughs> Put the women and children to bed. Andrew, where can people find us online? Oh, with their eyes. Um, Sorry, that's a very shit dad joke. Yeah, that's terrible. I should apologise for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, go to us on, on the socials. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. Um, we're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, MySpace. Check us out on all of those. Um, we've also got a website, Freaky. Yeah, it's called FergoandTheFreak.com. 
One day uh, I'll go there. It's all about the podcast. You can go there, check out our guests, check out the history episodes. Check, you can find every single episode on the website. You can email us from there. It's pretty good. It's uh, I hear it's awesome. Probably one of the 17 best websites in the world. <laughs> Just behind the Daily Telegraph. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, make sure you go to uh, YouTube especially. It'd be awesome if you can have a bit of a campaign over there, I guess. Get over there, leave some comments. A lot of you have been, which has been great. We'll keep reading them out when we get a chance to. Or there's nothing else to talk about. Um, play all the videos. That'd be yeah, awesome. Do it at JB Hi-Fi. That's just, just for fun. Um, yeah. Just put them all on. Each different episode, turn the volume up and just walk out. And then bookmark leaguefreak.com. Yep, do that. <laughs> Definitely do that. Um, but yeah, that would be awesome if you could do all of that. Make sure to. We have, it's been a long time since anyone left us a comment on their uh, their um, uh, podcast listening device. So make sure you go to their you know, it's iTunes or whatever. Leave us a uh, five-star rating and a comment so we can read that out and also put it up on the website too. It's been ages. We keep asking. Stop making yeah. us ask for fuck's sake. Come on. Don't make us threaten us. Yeah, exactly. Because I really want it so bad. <laughs> um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's been a good episode. It has, eventually. Let's do it on Sunday. Yeah. Well, this... For all intents and purposes, this was recorded on Sunday. Yeah, let's, yeah. <laughs>